Okay, welcome to another broadcast of uh, Sunshine USA here on Anchor FM, as well as um, Spotify, as well as uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, in this particular edition of Sunshine USA, uh, we're going back to the original plan that I had for this new edition of Sunshine USA, and that is for me to address topics of interest uh, to those of us that are studying the Bible. Now, I have another edition of Sunshine USA on Blog Talk Radio where we're still doing a verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter uh, exposition on the Scripture. And this way I can cover even more of the Bible at one time. So uh, today we're going to be addressing the topic of the next great big event. What is the next great big event to happen? Uh, now, most of us who have been around for a while, uh, bearing in mind I'm 65 years old, most of us who have been around for a while, uh, we would say that we have never seen anything like what we're going through now in regard to the coronavirus. Uh, I've never seen a time when people have been confined to their homes, when people have been limited as to what they could do. Uh, you can't sit down at a nice restaurant or even a fast food restaurant and eat a meal. Uh, churches cannot even hold in-person services in the church building. I've, I've never in my lifetime seen a time like this. We've never been faced when a time when so many hospitals across this country and throughout the world really are filled to capacity. Uh, it is now estimated that possibly one or two million Americans will eventually get this dreadful disease known as uh, the coronavirus. And we're told even here in the United States, 100,000 to 200,000 people could eventually die as a result of this virus. So it, it's probably a, a more terrible thing than anybody in my lifetime can remember. I mean, seriously. But then I think, well, when I see how the world is reacting to the coronavirus, can you imagine how the world is going to react when the next big event takes place? Now, what is this next big event? Well, I'll be honest with you, and I'll, I'll cut to the chase, it's the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church is going to be the next big thing that takes place. And frankly, I believe it could happen at any time. It could happen today or tomorrow, next week, next month. On the other hand, it might be years before the rapture takes place. Now, of course, I've always taught the important thing. It's not so much when is the rapture going to take place, but are you ready for the rapture? Are you ready for the second coming of Jesus Christ? You see, that's the big question right there. That's going to be the next big event. I want us to look in your Bibles, the First Thessalonians, chapter 4. First Thessalonians, chapter 4, and verse 16, or starting with verse 16. 
It says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now you see, this is going to be the next great event. It's called the rapture of the church. And the only people directly affected by this rapture will be those of us who are Christians at the time that the rapture takes place. If you're not a Christian, if you're not a believer, then nothing's going to happen to you right away when the rapture takes place. But in reality, the whole world is going to be affected by the rapture. Because when the rapture takes place, all of a sudden, millions of Christians around the world are going to disappear. They're mysteriously going to be disappearing. You know, you might have a co-worker. Here, here you are with your co-worker. They disappear right before your eyes. And all of a sudden, it looks like you're standing by yourself talking to no one. You have a man and wife asleep in bed. One disappears, the other one. Wonder what happened. Where'd she go? Where'd she go? Where'd he go? <laughs> and I can imagine all kinds of world leaders are holding all kinds of press conferences trying to deal with the crisis. Now, bearing in mind, Christians, as you know, occupy positions of importance all throughout the economy. We have Christian businessmen and Christian business executives. We have Christian scientists, Christian engineers. We have Christian IT people. And when these people disappear, the world's going to be mystified. They're, they're, they're going to be dumbfounded. They're not going to know what happened. Now, I, I want to share with you as much as I can audibly regarding a chart of the end times. Now, if we were on television right now, I would probably be showing you a chart reflecting end time prophecy. And on this chart, we're going to have this big event called the rapture. Now, this rapture will take place just as the tribulation period is getting underway. It'll take place at the very beginning of the tribulation period. And the Bible tells us this tribulation period will be seven years long. Now, the first three and a half years of this tribulation period will be relatively peaceful. It'll be a time where everything is relatively calm. The Antichrist will come along. The Antichrist will sweep a lot of people off their feet. The Antichrist will seem to have all the answers to the world. And many people will begin following the Antichrist. And for about three and a half years, there's going to be a time of peace and prosperity. You will have the emergence of a one-world government, quite literally. You have things mentioned in Revelation, for example, like the mark of the beast and 
basically that indicates that the world will be under a single economic system. And you'll have to have the mark of the beast, just like here in the United States. Nowadays, everybody has a social security card. Nowadays, it's pretty common for young babies to be issued a social security card at the time they're born. And that's a number that's going to stay with them all of their life. And you know, as I know here in the United States, there's a lot of things you cannot do without that social security number. Well, during the tribulation period, you're going to find there are a lot of things you cannot do without the mark of the beast. Now, the second half of this tribulation period will be a time of violence and warfare and bloodshed. It'll be a horrible time. In fact, the Bible says that if the Lord didn't shorten those days a little bit, there would no flesh be saved. And so those days will be shortened by just a little bit. And then at the end of that seven years of tribulation, minus however much that tribulation period is shortened, Christ is going to come back again. And this time the saints of God are going to be with him. And Christ will set up his millennial kingdom on this earth. And this will be, be the beginning of a 1,000-year reign of Christ upon this earth. A 1,000-year reign of Christ upon this earth. The Bible tells us that Jesus will rule the whole world from Jerusalem. He'll be sitting on the throne of David. And then following that, of course, we'll have eternity future. But the Bible assures us that once the rapture takes place, those of us who are Christians and are alive now will be reunited with those who have gone on before, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And so when we talk about the rapture of the church, it's supposed to be a comforting thought to those of us as Christians. There's nothing scary about it. If you find the teaching of the rapture to be scary or frightening, it's a pretty good sign that you're not ready for the rapture, and that means you need to get saved. You need to come to know Christ as your Savior before it's eternally, everlastingly too late. I mean, seriously. I'm very serious when I say that. Now, the interesting thing here I had to get me a drink of water there. Try to keep my throat lubricated. <laughs> my voice, for some reason, has been a little bit on the croupy side these days. I think a lot of it deals with asthma and allergies and pollen and stuff like that. This springtime of the year has always been a hard time of the year for me. But when it comes to the rapture of the church... We don't know when it's going to occur. It could be today, it could be tomorrow, it could be the next day, it might be years from now. And like I say, the important thing is not so much when is the rapture going to be taking place, but the important thing is to be ready for this rapture. Now, even though the Bible 
does not tell us when Jesus is coming back to this earth. It does give us some clues, and these clues are found in Matthew chapter 24. Now, I want to point out, when you read Matthew chapter 24, you have to do so very carefully, because we have, I believe, some verses here which are prophecy concerning the rapture, and others of these verses deal with the second coming of Christ at the end of the rapture and with the period of great tribulation. Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't spend a great deal of my ministry talking about what I think is going to happen during the great tribulation period. Now, one of the reasons I don't spend a lot of time talking about what I think is going to happen during the tribulation period is because I'm not going to be here. I'm not going to stick around for the Great Tribulation. And if you're a Christian, you're not going to be there either. So I don't see a lot of value, per se, in talking about what's going to happen during the seven years of tribulation. Now, I've given you a little bit of an outline on this broadcast already, what I think will happen in general, uh, concerning the Revelation. Now, some of you that have read books by the Hal Lindsey, the Bible teacher, uh, you understand that Hal Lindsey points out that one of the reasons that the book of Revelation is so hard to understand is because John, the inspired writer, was seeing things that would happen in the future. And there were literally no words in John's vocabulary of his day to describe what he saw. He may have seen some of the modern warplanes, for example, that we know all about today, but they would have been a mystery to John. And so he says for that reason, the book of Revelation tends to be very hard to understand. You also have to understand that John wrote cryptically. In other words, John wrote in such a way so that Christians, believers, would know what he was talking about and unbelievers would not. And so even though the Bible doesn't tell us when the rapture is going to take place, it does give us, I believe, some signs concerning when the rapture will take place. Um, Jesus says, Take heed that no man deceive you. For ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, and see not you be not troubled. For all of these must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. Now the word pestilence there is especially interesting especially in light of the coronavirus that we're going through right now. The Bible indicates here that the word pestilence could refer to a pandemic, especially a pandemic resulting in extensive death across the world. And that is certainly what we are seeing now. We are seeing quite literally thousands if not millions around the world getting this virus 
and many thousands of them dying of this virus. Now, whenever I see someone get on Facebook and they say, well, I think this is all blown out of proportion, you tell that to somebody that's lost a family member because of the coronavirus. You tell that to somebody in your church who has a loved one that's died after contracting the coronavirus. This is a deadly, serious disease that we're talking about here, and it needs to be approached seriously. And that's why some of our government leaders in recent weeks have had to do things that they never would have imagined that they would have done before. Uh, it would seem that some of our personal freedoms are having to be restricted to some degree in order to help protect people from getting this terrible virus. And so... This coronavirus could be referred to as the type of pestilence which would be among the signs of Christ's second coming. Not to mention, of course, famines, which is pretty self-explanatory, as well as earthquakes. Now, right now, even as the world is dealing with the coronavirus, and of course in Africa, they're dealing with the coronavirus as well, but in Africa, that's not the only thing they're dealing with. Many Af African countries are being attacked by locusts. I mean, literally, thousands upon thousands of locusts. And these locusts are eating and destroying crops all over the place. And it's believed that a lot of people, especially in Africa, as well as other places around the world, will go hungry as a result of what these locusts have done. Now, by the way, I think all this means that God may, in fact, be trying to tell us something. He may, in fact, be trying to get our attention. It says in verse 8, All of these are the beginning of sorrows. Then men shall deliver you up to be afflicted or punished. They might put you in prison and ye shall be hated of all nations for my, my name's sake. <laughs> it says, And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets shall arise and deceive many. <laughs> now, I want to say <laughs> that false prophets are all over the place today. Now, I thank God for television and radio. I thank God for the Internet. It gives us as a church a great platform or great platforms from, what, from which we can proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it also presents a great opportunity for, uh, for false prophets to arise and deceive many Christians around the world. Um, not every preacher who comes on the internet is leveling with you. Some are false prophets. And this is why it is so important for you and I as Christians to get into the Word and get to see for ourselves 
what the word has to say because of the fact because of the fact that if we don't then we're going to be easily deceived by false teachers that gets to the very heart of why back in 2012 I started this internet ministry called Sunshine USA I was shocked at how little many Christians knew about the Bible. Uh, one of the great Bible teachers I listen to every morning, in fact, he comes on television two different times every morning here in Greenville, South Carolina. His name is Les Feldick. Now, he comes across as a very old-fashioned, traditional Bible teacher. He has a chalkboard, not a marker board, not some projecting screen, but a blackboard, a chalkboard with chalk. And he looks every bit the Bible teacher that you would think him to be. And frankly, I enjoy listening to him teach the Bible, and I pretty much agree with everything he says. But, you know, he says he, he hears from his Bible students all the time. They say, you know, We've never heard this taught before in our church. And that indicates that what many people are being given in church is very shallow. It's very weak. I listened to some of the earlier sermons that I preached earlier in my ministry, and I'm amazed at how shallow some of those sermons were. I have to admit, some of them were not very strong at all. Amen. But I also know that nowadays I feel like my sermons have a lot more meat on them. My sermons that I preach today have more substance to them. I hate to admit it now, but some of the earliest sermons that I preached were more fluff and not so much substance. I remember talking about the first sermon I ever preached. I think it was about 15 minutes long, and in that 15 minutes, I pretty much covered everything I knew about the Bible. I hit the people who listened to that sermon. I hit them with everything I knew about the Bible. And I could present it all in 15 minutes. Well, I'm not trying to brag, but what I know about the Bible is so much more extensive now than it was then. I could not begin to tell you everything I know about the Bible in 15 minutes now. Amen. I'm not trying to brag. I'm just being factual here. Amen. But it is amazing how little some people know about the Bible. It says, um, For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes and diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. And some of that I've already read. Verse 11, And many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. Verse 12, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many 
will wax cold or shall wax cold. Um, I think a lot of us know Christians now who at one time were really on fire for God. They were doing great things for God. Now they're doing hardly nothing for God. You see, iniquity, the Bible says, is set in. Complacency is set in. A lot of people say, well, you know, I've been serving the Lord all my life. I've done my part. Now it's time for somebody else to take up the torch and do their part. Now I'm 65 years old. I'm retired as far as secular work is concerned. But in many ways, my ministry is just beginning. I'm actually preaching more now than I ever did in the younger days of my ministry. And I hope until the day I die, I'm hard at work doing things for the glory of God. I know that if I die today, I've got many sermons on the internet so that I could preach the gospel of Jesus Christ on the internet for years after I'm already in my home in heaven. Amen. After I'm already relaxing in my heavenly mansion, I'll have sermons on this earth recorded on the internet that will keep on presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. I thank God when I'm asleep in my bed at three o'clock in the morning, I'm preaching to somebody around the world on the internet. I thank God for that. The internet provides you and me as Christians with a great opportunity to reach a lost, a dying world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It says, But he that shall endure till the end, the same shall be saved. Verse 14, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end shall come. You see, the Bible teaches us that before the rapture takes place, this gospel is going to be preached all over the world. And now we have the technology to get that done. We have satellites, we have the internet, all kinds of opportunities to get the gospel out to a lost and dying world. Amen. You know, when Christ comes back the second time at the end of the tribulation period, the Bible says, and every eye will see him. Now, you see, when the rapture takes place just before the tribulation period, the only people that will know anything about that are Christians. But when Christ comes back the second time at the end of the tribulation period, the Bible says, Behold, every eye shall see him. And not just in the Jerusalem area where he will return, but we find that every eye will see him because of modern technology. Nowadays, everybody has a smartphone, or just about everybody. And many people will see this event transmitting live on the internet. They will see Jesus hoovering in the air 
above Jerusalem. And they will see Jesus as he begins to set up his earthly kingdom here upon this earth. The Bible says every eye shall see him. Now, what I believe here is that one day the last person that God's ever going to save they're going to get saved, and then the end is going to come. Amen. I, I, I really do believe that the gospel can take place in my lifetime, but I'm also aware of the fact that Paul thought the same thing. Paul, in his lifetime, he thought the rapture of the church could take place in his, in his day. You see, I had a Bible professor one time point out that when the Bible was originally written, it was originally written so that any generation would have reason to believe that theirs was the generation in which Christ was coming back to this earth. In other words, we all need to be on our toes and we all need to be ready for the second coming of Jesus Christ. Because it could literally happen at any moment. I remember one time I... Uh, while I was in college, I was doing some construction work for a local construction company, and me and my couple, a couple of my co-workers, uh, we met the foreman of the job at the beginning of the day. It was around 7 o'clock in the morning. And the foreman told us what he wanted us to do. He says, now I'll be back sometime this afternoon, and this is what I want to see done by the time I get back. And so me and my co-workers, we decided we would get right to work doing what the foreman wanted done. We would do it early on. For one reason, it was in the summertime, and the first couple hours of the morning were also the coolest part of the day. And we thought, well, during this coolest part of the day, that's when we ought to take whatever is hardest and do it first. And then we'll do the other stuff. And I am happy to report that basically by a little after lunchtime, we pretty much completed everything the foreman had for us to do. Now, the foreman did, as it turned out, the foreman didn't actually return to the job site until about four or five o'clock in the afternoon. That was about one or two hours after we had already completed the last of the assignment. And we were in good shape as far as the foreman was concerned. But now, what if we had dilly-dallied and said, well, you know, it's going to be several hours before the foreman's going to get back. We'll just take this cool part of the day, man. We're going to play some touch football, and we're just going to have a good time, and then we'll get about doing what the foreman has for us to do. Well, you know what would have happened then? We would have messed around and ended up getting none of the work done that should have gotten done because of the fact that we dilly-dallied. Well, folks, let me tell you something. The Lord does not want you and I to dilly-dally. He wants us busy doing this work that he has for you and me to do. Because the time is coming when we can't do it anymore. Someone was asking me the other day how I was holding up with this 
coronavirus. And I said, well, you know, in many ways it's been a great thing for me because it's given me an opportunity to do things that I needed to get done in terms of the ministry. Over the past couple of weeks especially, I've recorded more Bible teaching radio broadcast than ever before. I'm trying to do what the Bible calls redeeming the time, making the best possible use of the time available right now. For most of you, that means since you don't have so much to do anymore except lay around the house all day, now all of a sudden you have plenty of time to get into the Word of God and become more familiar with what the Word of God has to tell us. Take advantage of that opportunity. And that's a great way, by the way, to benefit from this coronavirus. And then take time out to pray for other people to the extent that you're able to help other people. Maybe you could go out and buy groceries for an elderly person who can't go to the grocery store because it's too risky for them to go out. Maybe you could do laundry for someone who doesn't have a washer or dryer in the home and they need somebody else to do the laundry for them. Man, what a blessing that would be. Amen. Praise the Lord. Just saying. <laughs> There's all kinds of ways we can be busy doing the work that God has called us to do. We just need to be doing it. Well, I hope you've enjoyed uh, the broadcast for today. I've enjoyed doing it, I have to tell you. And I hope you've got something out of it as well. Now, if you want to email me a prayer request or a Bible study question, that would be great. My email address is warrenlandis at yahoo.com. That's warrenlandis at yahoo.com. That's all one word, Warren Landis, one word, all lowercase, Warren Landis at yahoo.com. And you can email me at that address, and I'll be glad to get any prayer requests or Bible study questions you have for me. If you have praise reports or testimonies you would like to share with me, that would be great as well. And uh, many of you know that Anchor FM gives you an opportunity to touch a particular spot on the screen and you can make a contribution to this particular ministry. We would like in the future to grow and expand. And the best way for us to do that is to get contributions from God's people who believe in the work that we're trying to do for the Lord. And so until the next broadcast, let me say goodbye, God bless you, and I'll see you next time on Sunshine. USA.